crucial tackle from Duplessis. And here come Munster. Over the top they go and inside. It's a brilliant score. That is it. Graham Roundtree can scarcely believe it. It is just simply heroic. There's a star waiting in the sky. He'd like to come and meet us, but he thinks he'd blow our minds. There's a star waiting in the sky. He's told us not to blow it, cause he knows it's all worthwhile. He told me, let the children lose. I've been over this a few times. I have been doing this a long time, eight years now. And over the last eight years, you get used to losing. Um, as a content creator, as you know, I'm not involved with Monster. You know, I, I don't, I don't kick a ball. I'm not involved in the game side of anything of what they do but I metaphorically kick every ball every week for the last eight years and every one of those seasons has ended with failure and by failure I mean the team lost at the end and there were no trophies and that was that and you move on to the next season and that was the same for every year um, some seasons were better than others um, some were worse than others um, but they ended all the same except for this season this season just gone this past weekend when Munster beat the Stormers in Cape Town uh, 19 points to 14 and in doing so won the URC um, and did it in a way that was fitting with how the season has played out since that Sharks game in Durban after that Glasgow game in Thoman Park and it's a dream um, I felt like I had an emotional hangover for the last couple of days and I had a, I had a literal hangover on Sunday but I had a, an emotional hangover I was talking to Jeff and Owen um, the provincial state of mind boys and we were just kind of saying like you know you'd be you'd be walking along and you'd be you know going about your business or whatever else on your Sunday or whatever and it just kind of hits you again and you just feel just moved emotional like one of the first things I did now bear in mind I was fairly well on with the wine I'm, I'm enjoying my wine lads I'm enjoying it more than beer like I drink it I like it it's great but I was well wined at this stage not dined but wined certainly and uh, I decided I was going to put together the um, Hoppy Pola um, mix for Instagram I don't risk it on Twitter um, with the you know the song by the Sigur Rós um, that they have uh, on the 2006 Heineken Cup DVD that every guy certainly women too i know um got that for christmas 
the year that Munster won the Heineken Cup the first time in 2006. And everybody knows the end of that. Everybody knows the the way that they cut in the cigarettes, which is a fucking fantastic bit of editing, to be honest, because they weren't exactly massively well known at the time. Now, I was a fucking indie fucking up my own whole graphic design student. So, yeah, I was aware of them. But you look at the the way that they worked that music in and how integral that song became to that moment and it was just the perfect mix of music with the moment um and it heightened both heightened my enjoyment of that song um it heightened my enjoyment of that moment where i can't think of monster winning the heineken cup in 2006 without that song and i did it for the drop goal for that jack crowley landed against leinster so i knew if we won it this game I would have to do it for um for this game and like I was so superstitious that I didn't even have it downloaded in advance I deleted it off my laptop just so that I wouldn't catch myself out thinking I was getting ahead of myself so I had to re-download it that day and my internet was all over the place that day so I had to wait for it to download and then wait for it to upload um after downloading the match file which took a while as well and when I had it created, when I kind of I was running out of footage, and um, I just left it so that the emotional peak of the song would happen as the fireworks went off behind the you know the Peter Manny and the team as they were lifting the trophy, and it just caught me, just like it emotionally just caught me. It's catching me now thinking of it, and like that's what this means that's what this game means it's what monster mean to me more than anything like i'm not one of these guys who'd be uh, like doing general like rugby content i will in the summer because you know monster aren't playing but like you won't find me covering other teams or doing bits like 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 how squidge does it i couldn't do this like because like for me it's about the team that you're living and dying for that's where the enjoyment comes out of it for me knowing what monster do week to week being involved in just putting together like for the subscribers what i feel monster are doing week to week and building a story over a season or over a couple of seasons and when it kind of came to a kind of an abrupt like happy end to this season because look I wasn't expecting Munster to win a trophy this year. No, I did think, look, if Munster get to a playoffs, anything can happen. I think I said it on this podcast. But to see them win it and to see them do it in such a ballsy, brave way where nothing, absolutely nothing came easy, not even once. It's It just makes me feel incredibly proud. And I was, like I said, I had an emotional hangover for... Sunday to go with the literal one and then on Monday I woke up and I was still okay still a little bit hungover because like I am old but I still had that that emotion of I wasn't I wasn't done with the motions of the game I wasn't done with them and I think with the the way that we're we're running TRK here when I say we it's me you know it could never just be done in one day 
winning something after all these years. And when I look at the, I suppose when I look at the last, you know, couple of days, going to that homecoming was probably the best thing I could have done. Like I said, Salpadine and a breakfast roll and a nice two hour nap, followed by a nice cold bottle of Lucasade for the emotions. That's what, that's what fixed it up for me. Seeing the joy, seeing the, the children there, seeing the parents there with their young, with their kids and their, um, you know, like young couples there, uh, teenagers, you know, adults who were there, guys who are my age who, fuck it, they'd been here in 2011. Maybe they were even at the game um, when we last won something. And just the outpouring of joy that was there where once people got over the initial awkwardness of why they were there, like, you know, nobody had, well, some did have a, you know, a few drinks on, obviously, but there wasn't the atmosphere of a game there. But I think it was when they started playing Stand Up and Fight because um, they played a few songs beforehand. They played Fields of Atten Roy on the, on the Tannoy, but when they played Stand Up and Fight, that's when it kind of kicked in for people and the flags were waving and people were singing and it was just it was just perfect and it just kind of reminded me of a moment when I was doing radio commentary with Dan Mooney um, and I remember something similar where we were just about to start the live commentary and Stand Up and Fight was playing this was in Musgrave Park and I remember just looking around at all the people standing up now bear in mind Monster had won a fucking bean in the years prior to this and I just remember turning to Dan and going we have a very special thing here like this monster and it it is a very very special thing and I'm not going to say it's more special than anybody else's like everybody has their own thing but I'm glad I'm a monster supporter I'm glad I don't hide it I'm glad that I've never hit it I'm glad I never had to do false equivalencies. I'm glad I never had to pretend that I was not what I am, which is a monster supporter. First and foremost, before I'm anything else, that's what I am. So it hurts when monster lose. I hurt when monster lose. So when they win, which I haven't experienced doing this job because it's become my job, everything I have today is because of monster. Everything. And to see that, to kind of come out the other end with a trophy, like I didn't win the trophy. <laughs> I didn't, like I said, I had nothing to do with it. But when that whistle went, I was sitting in a motorhome in Kerry, my little baby daughter asleep next to me because she woke up during the game. So I had to just go in and comfort her because my uh, partner, girlfriend, she was uh, getting takeaway because I was watching the match. Um, so the little girl was up. She woke up with a fright. You know, something. It was a strange place. She hadn't been there before, and I was sitting there with her, kind of watching what was happening on the TV. And it's just it kind of struck me that like at that point, Monster were still losing, but like win or lose, that they had like Monster had brought me to a point where I could have my partner, I could have my daughter. All that would not have been possible without Monster Rugby. So, I think a couple of minutes later, I remember, like, I remember actively thinking that, and I remember then. I think it was like a couple of minutes later, John Hodna crashes over in the corner, and just the emotions. I couldn't jump and start shouting and roaring because the baby was just there right next to me, and that's when 
the kind of the emotion start and at that point I knew we weren't losing and even look in the build to it like I, I said there like oh we'll win or lose but like I still knew we would win I believed that we would and all we would all we would need is one shot and we got it and we took it and when that restart went in even with the yellow card to Jack Crowley I didn't think for a minute that we were losing that game from that point on I think that's the trust that's been built up over the last number of of days of, of weeks and like I, I look at I, I just I just look at the, the when the final whistle went and just the, the emotions that were there just thinking of everything over the last eight years every failure every time we'd, we'd come so close and, and, and failed or just failed outright I went and, and just I thought of all of them and I was I was bawling you know and I was talking to Owen but Owen was bawling like on, on WhatsApp like it wasn't we weren't talking to each other crying over the phone like he was like <laughs> he was obviously upset as well other friends that I was talking well not upset just emotional and just the outpouring of, of emotion that was there from my brother from like from like so many people like who were just texting me like who just like oh thinking of you do you know because they knew me maybe they weren't even massive monster fans but they knew that this is what I do like this is what I do so they thought to text me and congratulate you know just that that it happened for me as in monster did it for themselves like because that's what monster do but the emotions of it were were very very real and uh yeah going to that homecoming kind of washed it away it kind of turned it into what it is now which is just kind of happiness that i was there to see it because we're not guaranteed the next day we're not guaranteed the next week like they mentioned it post game like we've lost people like monster have lost people we've lost people you were listening to this just maybe somebody that you knew who was a big monster fan they didn't get to see this or somebody who used to watch the games with they didn't get to see this and like that's the that's the, the kind of the, the reality of it you know so it's like you look at the i suppose you look at the the way that we just use sport almost as a proxy for the things you can't say to your dad or to your to your mom or to your friends or whatever else you go there with them and there's love there because that's what you're here for you know it's all about hope and on saturday at whatever time around eight o'clock or half seven whatever it was we all got our hope topped up again and um at the homecoming I was sitting in the press box. Now I kind of moved out of the way there, like more so I guess so I could get a better view, really. And um, the MC, who is obviously a subscriber, if like thank you very much for what you said in in the MC bit with Barry Murphy, where you mentioned TRK Radio, where I said to kind of just enjoy this moment. Thank you for that. That really made my day. Um, it was honestly surreal. I became very aware of the scale of of Monster and the scale of Monster to come because Munster have been again just one of the biggest teams in Europe um, over the last number of years and we haven't won anything if we're at a point now where this is the first trophy of many to come rugby hasn't seen the juggernaut that is coming and I genuinely mean that this could be the biggest club in the world 
Um, we were one of the biggest clubs in the world without having won anything, with nothing but woe washing around the province for the last number of years. But when I was there, I saw just all the people who were going to be remembered that moment and that day for the rest of their lives and how many new monster fans were made that day and that's kind of you know when i was leaving i was just thinking of all the people who again for me it's like who weren't there for me the last time monster won something but are now and how grateful i am for that and just thinking of all those those people who have spoken to me over the years of you know how they used to you know go to a game with their dad or, or they you know, used to talk about the game with their mom or whatever else and now they're not around and like the I suppose I'm thinking of those people too which is you know I hope that you got a little bit of something from that win and you know hoping that somewhere they got to see that it was just another win for the bad guys too so um as for the game itself, how many minutes am I in here? 16 minutes. Well, as for the game itself, I thought we fucking battered them. <laughs> we just didn't show on the scoreboard. Um, this Stormers got nothing from this game that we didn't give them. Um, or that they weren't awarded uh, by the, from, from the referee who I felt had a, you know, mid, mid-level mid to poor game. But, look, that's neither here nor there. It's just, I think, think it's just subjective. Same way as you could say that certain players had good games or bad games. Um, I felt that we battered them. And we should have been 20 points up at halftime where the Stormers would have to come out and chase the game. We had um, one perfectly good try for me, ruled out. Um one try marginally forward but there was a period there in that first half where we looked like scoring on every single possession that we had and I spoke before the game about how we're a bad matchup for this Stormers team this game was proof it just didn't show on the scoreboard Um, reason why I was confident that we would always get something out of this game and that we weren't we were not going to lose it was that the Stormers base game as it stands was always going to give us a shot because they were always going to kick long to us they were always going to try and meet us on the transition defence line and that's what counter transition is we didn't kick back the ball to them for the most part the way that they wanted it Um, we box kicked and this is a good example of showing that box kicking on its own does not mean that you're about to play boring rugby or conservative rugby or whatever else it is just the means of moving the ball up the field. And what we wanted to do here was kick short and contestable. That's what on-ball teams have to do. You can't, you know, you can't be both. You can't play counter-transition and on-ball rugby. You, nobody's conditioned to play that. Um, we're conditioned to play on-ball rugby, which means that we know we're going to be hitting a lot of rocks, and we hit a lot of rocks in this game. We know we're going to have to make a lot of passes, so you have to be fit enough to make those passes accurately and be able to finish strong as we do. Like the handling that we had in the build-up to the try for John Hodnett's try was absolutely outstanding. A, f- a team who isn't fit enough to play that game can't make that. They can't score that try. In the same way that if you're a counter-transition team, there will be periods where you are absolutely running the opposition off their feet 
because the ball is constantly in in, in, in in flux. It is moving up and down the field. Forwards are getting picked off and isolated. Like one of the things about the um the Stormers is that like that's different from Leinster. They they play a similar ish style of rugby. Leinster's is more complete. Um, they are a much more complete counter a counter transition team, a better tactical kicking team. Um, they're a much better line out team, much better mauling team. Um, but they have a worse scrum than the Stormers, and they're worse on transition. The Stormers are really good in attack and transition, like where they're able to score directly off the um, off the kick that you might return to them. They have a better capability of scoring those than what Leinster do at the moment. Um, but the reason why we're an awful matchup for the Stormers is that we never gave them an in with their maul, which meant that for the most part, and we didn't concede scrum penalties. I think we maybe conceded one, maybe, but we were really solid in the scrum again against them, which meant that when we weren't returning the ball in the way that counter transition demands that you do for it to work, they had nothing. They had so little for us. And when we were kicking contestably and winning those aerial contests or coming out on the positive end of them, they had nowhere to go. So for a large part of that first half, they were just getting clowned repeatedly. We were moving up the field. We were retaining the ball. They were scrambling. They were struggling because, again, to play counter transition, your back three or your your your, your back cover is going to be further back from the primary defensive line. So you have to come flying forward to get into the position to take that, especially if the ball is in 50-22 range or potentially in 50-22 range. That opens up space in that in that spot that's behind the defensive line but in front of the guards who are guarding the back line. Um, they have to run forward at pace and they did not handle that well. Uh, Leland Zass did not. Uh, Damien Willemsa didn't. And, uh, and uh, Angelo Davids did not either. It was very, very difficult for them to, to get any sort of, let's say, consistent purchase on it. That's why like, it, it made a lot of sense to me why Conor Murray was selected because when he's on, there is no better box kicker in this game. And it also shows that it isn't, like I said, it's not an inherently conservative tactic, especially when your intent is to play on ball rugby as much as you possibly can, which we did here. And like, I think what we saw was just a distillation as to what we're trying to build here and which is still not, I think, fully integrated yet. What we're trying to build with Mike Prendergast and and what we've been building all season long as, as our attacking game progresses, like our ability to retain the ball, the shape which, which with which we played, our flat 3-3x shape that we played was so effective. I spoke before the game about um, we would be looking to attack the transit of the forwards that the Stormers have behind the ruck as they fold from one side of the defence to the other. We went after it all day long here and consistently it unbalanced them it unbalanced um, Malherba it unbalanced Kitschoff it unbalanced their entire front five and they were looking for uh, Diamani uh, to cover because Evan Ruiz is, is a really good player I think he was actually probably the, the best Stormers player for me on the field um, they were looking for him to cover along with Dion Fury who I did not feel had a good game he kind of came back in he looked a bit stiff 
didn't look like he was 100% at all came off relatively early he didn't make a massive impact on the game but neither did Diamani and I think that for the Stormers to win this those two guys because they went for it but they went with a small forward build in their back five I think in part to cover the spaces that they felt we would we, we might expose and it just didn't work and as a result we had a ton of opportunities and arguably like I said we were denied one I think a little bit unfairly the the forward pass um, for Mike Haley's try I think was fair enough um, but there was others as well where Antoine Frisch, um was a judge to have knocked the ball on on the floor I don't think he did personally I think it came off his knee um, Shane Daly would have had another try right there um, and there was there was other opportunities where we were like really really close to breaking them open repeatedly and you can talk about Munster being wasteful I, I don't think it was in the same way that you might say that we were against against Leinster for example so like I think for me the biggest thing was when we were in position we created opportunities and our attacking system looked so much more advanced than what the Stormers were playing and like that's why I'm talking about this being a new monster in that we beat the Stormers in a way that no other monster team of the past 20 years or more would have done that in itself is notable because you know I think I, I, I watched that you know, to the brave and the faithful thing from 2006 where Paul O'Connell was talking about the identity of that monster team which was forged in the AIL about, you know, your forward play, how important it is, the, the, the forward-oriented game. Our forwards are heavily involved as well in this game, but not in the same way. Obviously, your breakdown work is still as important as what it would have been um, back then, but the handling, the line running, the, the framework that we're running is so effective and it's so well suited to this group of players that when you're looking for a reason as to how Munster went from being 14th in the URC uh, before the November break to winning it seven months later it comes down to the attacking system that we're running being perfectly suited to the players that we have available and when the system suits the players and the players are suited to the system good rugby happens and when you're playing that you can beat teams and you look at some of the other stuff that we have which is our scrum generally defensively is very solid offensively we don't win a whole ton of scrum penalties for you know for whatever reason that that's but i think part of that comes down to being solid it's a platform for us to launch off and like we're building bits and pieces off the back of that as well but i think looking at how um we've built this season and how guys like Dermot Barron, Calvin Nash, Shane Daly, uh, Jack Crowley are now, they're so far advanced from what they were last season. They've come on so much. That comes down to the right guys in the right roles in the right system. And when that's the case, there's nobody you can't beat. Looking at this monster team, if we keep developing the way that we're developing, and from what we've seen here, start to execute some of the opportunities that we've that we left behind us. Add a few bit, a few more bits and pieces onto the game. This team can win a European Cup. This game team can win another URC next season. This team can become a very special side um, in over the next couple of years. It just needs consistency of coaching. It just needs to add in, you know, more guys, build more depth, build more competition, and it's one hundred percent possible. 
Like, like I said, I was not expecting Monster to win this game. I was not expecting Monster to, um, you know, win the URC this season. Like, I'm sure you've listened to these podcasts. I have I've been speaking that. Okay, look, get to the playoffs, anything can happen. But go back earlier in the season, and it's like, okay, maybe this team could be in a position to win in next year or the season afterwards. Which you know, again, people hear that and they go, "Oh, transition, good God." But to be honest, I didn't expect Munster to be able to go on a run like this. But when you look at how they reacted from those two really bad games, Glasgow and, and the Sharks, that two weeks was incredibly formative where you hear of like really frank conversations, arguments, fights, guys like laying it out as to what they want and, 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 and like what the improvements have to be training ridiculously hard and then it's about building moments and putting them back to back beating the stormers was huge the first time getting the draw against the sharks was huge as well that just gives you massive belief and when you have belief on top of what you've been doing all season long because we've seen monster play like some of the best rugby i've seen monster play was against the scarlets back earlier in the season but like you look at the the way that it's developed and kind of kept adding layers and layers and layers and when guys are backing the system that they have and they're back to play but they have the fitness to play it as well guys will make big plays because they know what they're doing and they know what they have and they know and they have the belief that they can go and win these games like I think when Munster beat Leinster in that semi-final I think they believed afterwards that well there's nobody we can't beat now if we beat Leinster who've been fucking beating us for years and we can do it in the Aviva on a big pressure day and we can do it in the manner that we did with the drop goal I think that they'll understand then well whatever happens we back ourselves that if we're in touching distance of any team if we're losing that we can we can pull them back we can get the win and like they've shown that okay and I think that what the next step now is is to start putting these teams away so these games aren't close and then you'll start be talking about well are we in that elite category but you know I think a few of the people who've been on to me in the last couple of days have been kind of going well look it's only the league Um, I, I think when it's the URC that doesn't fly anymore you might have said that it was only the league when it was the Pro 12, Pro 16, you know, when it was with, you know, with the, the Southern Kings and the, and the, and the Cheetahs. Um, I think with the South African teams, I've added such a dynamic to this league where it is such a difficult league to win now. The quality of the rugby has gone through the roof. For me, the idea of it being just a league is out of date. And I think the reason why it's out of date is think of the emotion that you had when you watched this game back did it feel like it was just the league I don't think so there are only two trophies that any team can win in any season in this league which is you can win your domestic league or you can win the European Cup and some really good teams have sometimes done both so the idea that one of those is like you know well that's meaningless um to me is just again rubbish and, and people looking to to down an achievement because they don't like it they don't want to like it they don't want it to be meaningful I think that on top of winning a trophy and getting that you know 12 year 
um, monkey off our back really outside of you know the lifting of the trophy it's the belief that it'll give this group that everything that we trained for worked it worked quicker than what anybody would have thought and we ended up with medals in our back pockets and we did it for the first time in 12 years that's so valuable that in itself is going to be enough to not just build the belief from the players but to build it for the fans too where I think because I've seen this firsthand where you know you see a lot of naysayers about Munster because they haven't won that trophy the support was always there the belief was always there but when you don't win a trophy it can sound empty because we're always talking about next year next year next year and that was something that I was always cognizant of when I'm doing these podcasts is like I have to couch this in that I'm not going, oh, maybe next year, oh, maybe next year, because next year might never come. We're not not even guaranteed tomorrow. Never mind next year or two seasons or whatever. So that's what this, like, that's what this win and and the manner of it to me was so remarkable because it was almost just like, well, we're we're not going to bother with transition. We're just going to win the fucking thing. How about that? And like, I think you can't... I think understate as well how important it was that for the first time in God only knows how many years we had an injury free run to the end of the season more or less where we got RG Snaman on the field consistently we got Ty Byrne on the field consistently for the end of the season we got Peter Romani on there for the end of the season as well as well as other guys who we needed like our our incumbent 10 was fit and firing and ready to go it's amazing how much better you play <laughs> when you have those guys available. Like we had Malachi Fekatoa and Antoine Frisch available when we really needed them for this final. And they came in and they played fucking brilliantly. How, like I can I can tell you, we have never had that in the last number of years. We have always had somebody who's just coming back from injury or who's unavailable because of injury. And they're, you know, maybe they're not playing at their best because like I said, they've just come back. That has been the story of this team and this squad for the last four or five years. And to get all the guys you needed on the field during a time when, by the way, multiple players have left this club during the season because we're in in the middle of a massive squad rebuild. That is remarkable. And there you go. Everybody's fit. All of a sudden, we're beating teams. We're winning knockout games. And like I said, people talk about it being only the league. I would ask anyone to point me to a series of knockout games and a build-up to that beforehand, which were pressure games in themselves, where a team has played six games away from home, one after the other, two months in a row, three weeks per month, with one down week, where they've been to South Africa and come back. They've then gone away to Challenge Cup finalists, team unbeaten all season long at home in Glasgow and then beat them then beat Leinster who haven't lost in the Aviva since 2021 to Saracens during the pandemic and then go back down to South Africa on two weeks notice and win in Cape Town in front of their biggest ever home crowd in the DHL stadium and do it away from home playing rugby away from home is really hard I think we've seen that but this team kept showing up, kept doing it. And again, it's just 
incredibly impressive and it's the Hardway title I don't think it's ever going to be repeated I don't think anybody's going to come back and come up with a more difficult run to a tournament where you're away for every single round of it um, that to me is just incredibly impressive and I think it shows how this group has grown where sometimes you do get the bounce of the ball and you can start stacking moments together and then you can start building momentum and once you have that you come into a game like this with confidence when I heard John Klain in the press conference during the week and somebody said to him about bonus territory when I heard his reaction to that and you come back and watch it on the, the press preview I remember thinking um, we are fucking up for this because again people have mentioned it before like in the aftermath of it I didn't mention it on TRK Radio but about the how much talking the Stormers were doing and just how poor Joseph Dwebel was when you talk a lot before games like this big finals high pressure games whenever I see teams doing that ahead of a big game I'm thinking there's something off in the camp that your coach is talking like this because like Joseph Dwebel had a, a moment where I genuinely, I don't think he felt he was being videoed. Brio said the whole, oh, we're going to fuck them up. You know, plenty worse has been said in dressing rooms or, you know, behind closed doors about different teams. He didn't realise, I think, that he was being videoed at the time. Um, And certainly didn't realise that the Stormers were going to post it themselves on their own social media. Um, So he was under a lot of pressure coming into this game where he kind of had to back up the chat that he didn't even realise he was making and he had a very poor game um he was getting isolated he was head looked to be gone early where inside the first 20 minutes he was standing around like he was like he had one moment there where a uh, uh, penardi the referee got in his way and he's just there standing still looking at him so it's like what the fuck are you doing you think you're the rock get back into the fucking line but the head was gone didn't perform and like when you're talking and this is often the case when you see coaches talking in the press ahead of a game more often than not they're talking to their own players now in this instance I think uh, Dobson was trying and failing to try and influence the referee um, which again it's just soft like that to me looks like this guy is aware that he'll need a ton of decisions and like and that used to be us not that Johan talked about the referee ahead of the game. He did never he never did that. Um but like we used to need referees to give us a ton of decisions as well because we were an off ball team. Sometimes. Sometimes we were an on ball team, sometimes we were a counter transition team. This is the thing. Like last season we were everything. Like and because we were trying to do everything, we could do nothing to the level that we're now doing our current game plan. So I think that like on the talking from the the stormers that they did in the media and whatever else i think that was i think just incompetent attempts at referee manipulation but also when guys are talking like that about like oh you know monster rough and they're this that and the other and that to me is just like i don't know you're kind of putting yourself onto the back foot there straight away I mean, I see, like, you know, Manny Libok doing the whole pointing thing at, was it Shane Daly or Calvin Nash? Or on your man Elton Yanchi's yapping at Peter Romani. I'm just thinking, these lads are putting up a big frontier. Um, didn't seem genuine, you know? And, like, I think, like I said, Munster battered them for the rest of that the rest of that half. And, again, should have won the game more comfortably than we did, but 
that's the level that we're operating at now where we'll start to see teams chatting a bit more in the press or whatever else but I think with the the build we have now the style of play the selection that we have the way we're the way we're, we're, we're our, our rugby is currently constructed is incredibly effective and I think I've spoken before about when you're looking to try to build a system of play sometimes you kind of have to you know you have to build the boat for the flood if that makes sense before the flood is there um, our style of rugby that we're playing at the moment I think has become far more um, far more uh, effective and harder to defend since the regulations of the breakdown have come in since the turn of the year I think it was in January was it ahead of the Six Nations where it's harder now to get a breakdown penalty than whatever it has been before as a result you can hang on to the ball longer and more effectively which means that we were playing that way anyway which means that now we've got guys who are so comfortable at passing like the, the amount of passes that our, 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 our backs and forwards made like, our, like I said our pass per carry ratio was the same way that the same score was all season long which was 1.4 passes per carry on average when you look at like playing how you train and training how you play that's exactly what we did that's exactly what we did like you know We've got multiple playmakers. Um, Jack, Jack Crowley is a primary, but you've got Antoine Frisch has always got a ton of passes as well. Mike Haley in this game had uh, a few more passes than normal. He had a slightly different position here. He well, he passed the ball five times, which isn't massive, but he was hugely involved. Um, you know, with his work in the backfield, his carrying where he ran over a fucking lock at one point. Uh, Antoine Frisch had 11 passes, uh, as did Shane Daly. And Jack Crowley had 42 which will give you an idea um, as to how busy and effective he was here on top of five carries and those five carries helped set him up for all of the rest of the game because he is a really clever player is Jack Crowley he just refused like he's, he's a really difficult guy to video because he shows you the same thing over and over again but then just changes the outcome his pass feint is really effective because it looks just like his other pass he doesn't sell it with a stomp or he doesn't sell it with like his where he's obviously not making the pass because he's trying to keep his body open for sprinting he sells the, the change of shape but he's got the athleticism and the agility to be able to snap right back in and carry he's a really good player and I think he showed here the quality of his passing I saw some criticism of him the other day where somebody was saying he was like he was too deep or whatever else and I'm thinking did this guy even watch the game I'm not sure because he was playing really flat. He was passing right across the game line as well, back in his hands. His pass quality has gone really, really, really well during this like this season. It's improved as it's gone on, and um, his even his, his ability to shape the kick really quickly without giving away too much in the way of um, um, like his his body movement doesn't sell the kick beforehand. Like he's it, again, it just looks like any other play. But he can shift into a kicking position really, really quickly. And I think the the try he set up for Calvin Nash comes off the back of that. And he almost had another kick pass for Calvin Nash as well. That actually probably should have been a penalty try for me as well. Because the, the Ruhan Nell, I think it was, who took the pass or who intercepted it, um, was offside when that kick was made. But look, it is what it is at this stage. Um, but this is a, an example of a system perfectly suiting the players that are in it and when the guys you have available are fit all of a sudden everybody's able to play much better like why has our front row 
looked so much more impressive over the last couple of um, last two months we'll say because it seems what we're doing in our back five allows these players to just do what they're good at like thought Jeremy Lockman had a great game like he didn't have a whole lot of passes but like again sometimes you need guys to just set a platform a platform for you and he's a good decent carrier he doesn't need to be Ellis Genge he doesn't need to be you know peak tight furlong running over fellas can you set a platform yes then you'll be of use Jeremy Barron for me had another great game um his passing his uh red scrum cap to make him almost indistinguishable from John Hodnett in certain plays um, his line-out throwing really good um, his breakdown work offensively and defensively he's very good he's come on so much this season um, he's looking in great shape I think there's still a bit more size to go on there as well I think there's a very serious player in Dermot Barron his development over the last couple of months has been a huge um, bonus for Munster in that like that's a guy who comes in and is now like the starting hooker for us or like the the first guy in the rotation um but he's got the game i think to kick on even more um because his passing is really good he's like really athletic as well i think i'd give up a little bit of the pace for a little bit more size that'll come as well but his development and, and and push on this season certainly as it's got to the business end of the year has been really really impressive in his breakdown work i haven't done a full run on that yet but it's he's looking incredibly busy put it that way uh stephen archer um is playing so well and has played so well over the last couple of months that if andy farrell was capable of making changes to his ireland squad outside of what he already knows over the last two or three years that I think Stephen Archer would well have a shot of getting in there just because he's been playing at that level where he's been playing incredibly well and has outplayed everybody that he's faced in the last couple of weeks who've been test players or um, highly hyped young prospects or you know expensive non-Irish qualified players Stephen Archer has outperformed them all um, scrummaging really well um, had a bad matchup at Ox and Che, but that happens. His passing, his you know shit housing around the field is really effective as well as breakdown work again was through the roof here. Um, line out work, his mall defense is fantastic. He has been an outstanding player for Munster this season, where he's come in and like has just performed at such a high level. Because um, it's again game plan perfectly suiting what the player is best at. And Roman Salano came off the bench thought he did really well also absolutely locked out Stephen Kitchoff on one of their big scrums when they when they when they first intersected with each other in the field and um just absolutely just like again not a stir out of him and that's really impressive he was also a big big factor in the mall defense at the end as well he had a really good game for me um, off the bench Niall Scanlon was good Josh Witcherly thought it had a very effective game also we didn't lose anything when we made a big change at the 68th minute uh, all of our front row were replaced then and uh, I think all six of them played really well uh, Jean Klein, um again what can you say about this guy just the physicality his breakdown effectiveness his tackling his mall work his his ability to compress defenders the physicality he plays with um outstanding and he's not involved in the iron squad i've got something coming on that tomorrow because like i said i was dealing with my emotional hangover from this game so i'll give you an idea as to you know just i've been a little bit delayed 
But I think when I look at Jean Klein, I see one of the best signings that Munster have ever made, ever. Um, a guy who for me could easily be a kind of a captain-like player for us. Uh, he already is a kind of a, he's filling a leader role, I feel. Um, he's a big character in the team. And like, he's a guy who I think is so improved on what was already a massively important player for Munster. He's the cornerstone of this team. He's the cornerstone of this pack. And he's been ever available this season when we've badly been stuck for second rows. He has been there. Outstanding. Outstanding player. And um, has done such a great job this season. He's in the running for player of the year. TRK player of the year. I wouldn't be surprised if he won it. Um, outstanding. Uh, Tygburn was world class. <laughs> because that's what world class players do. He had nine passes. Uh, same as Gavin Coombs. Um, but was just outstanding. Just his coverage, his line-out work, uh, his mall D, um, his defensive work as well, um, his athleticism, his handling. Such a, f- a bloody great player. Like, just as good as it gets. Um, and I just thought he was outstanding. Uh, Peter Romani um, was really good when he was in the field. Had some really, really good moments. And I think that I gave him five stars because, like, that... The five stars for me, I gave everybody all the starting team five stars. Um, I felt that even though he played for thirty three minutes, he played a really big part in those dominant moments that we had. And again, that we should have been, you know, three maybe three tries to the good when he came off the field injured. But yeah, he has he came into this game beat up. Um, he's been playing hurt, I think, for the last couple of weeks. But uh, he has been the Peter Romani that we know from Ireland. Um, and he has played as well as I can ever remember him playing for Munster game after game after game since the Six Nations he has been the captain he has been the war god and I thought he was again great for his time in the field and just outstanding over the last couple of um, of months a really important guy for us um, looking at uh, John Hodnett <laughs> was absolutely outstanding as well look John Hodnett um, has the type of character to be a cult hero at uh, this club at the homecoming uh, he was the star of the show for me <laughs> just outstanding personality but that's all fine but you have to be a proper player as well and he is a proper player um, his development this season he's come on and off a lot because the system we're playing now suits him where he is that strike wing forward where you get that ball to him in the white channels and he's a dangerous man out there his breakdown work is really good. His tackling is really super effective. Great chop tackler. But he's just a guy who's growing in influence and keeps popping up with big moments. And like his passing has improved this year. His lineup work has improved. Um, his explosivity and his, his ability to win collisions is after getting better as well. But he's still a very young player. Like he's uh, still under 24. Like this is a guy, or certainly was at the start of the season. This is a guy who I think can, he has it all. Like, he can go anywhere he wants in this game. Um, we re-signed him onto a new contract early from his other contract because we know how good he is. And I think he showed in this game, when the pressure was highest, that he is um, just capable of, of producing top, top performances. And um, he's also well capable of holding his points. 
and for some reason was able to balance himself on top of Tom O'Hearn's shoulders without hanging on to Tom O'Hearn with his hands. That to me is very impressive as well as his ability to go on the fucking run for three or four days pointing non-stop. Impressive. Traditional values there. Uh, Gavin Coombs had another outstanding game. LeBlanc himself. This was um, a really complete performance. When I go back and look at this, I will see him showing up again and again at the breakdown, as I will with Ty Byrne. Dominant cleans everywhere. Um, his line-out work, his Maldi is very good. Um, his work rate, his constant, he's constantly looking to play as well, um, where he's backing himself to make offloads. Like he had one that almost got away to RG Snayman, like right before we ended up scoring a try. But his screen passing, his overall, you know, work around the field, like he's playing now more like Dwayne Vermeulen than he ever has before. And his he's he's almost like another lock to the stage where when we're playing now with the way that he's being used, it's almost like we're playing with a three lock pack whenever we've got Gavin Coombs plus two second rows. Um, he is playing in that role set where he is that half lock power forward. He just has that ability to switch between both and he's just incredibly powerful like some of the collisions he won in this game some of the footwork he was putting in doesn't get the credit for it because again I think people have this set in their mind that he is well he can't ever challenge Caitlin Doris of course God forbid or Jack Conan I think that Gavin Coombs at the moment is playing better than both of them I think he's a guy at the moment who is after finding I think the perfect role set for him that puts him into position for the Ireland camp where he can find a spot now, I think, easier um, on the bench, we'll say, for certain games or starting in maybe some of the lower tier games in the World Cup because of what he's added to his game this season where he is now, for Ireland anyway, far more selectable, but from a Munster perspective, one of the first names in the team sheet and he has start- he played so many 80-minute games this season as well. Like the fitness, by the way, of Munster in general. Like we have not lost a game this season where the ball and play time has been over thirty-eight minutes. That'll give you an idea as to what we're doing to teams with our with our um, high pass per carry ratio and our on-ball game. Uh, we're killing them with possession, and they can hack it. We can. Um, great to see that. Um, Snayman came on for uh, Peter Romani and just looked like the freakiest guy you've ever seen. Like he was signed for games like this. And I'm delighted for him on a personal level that he got to play in a game like this and win it because he's had a nightmare three years to this point. Scarcely believable. Two ACL injuries, a fire pit accident. Um, This guy is a world-class player and he is, I think for me, when he's playing like this, obviously a shoe-in to be a big player for the Springboks in the World Cup without question. And like I think looking at how he has developed um, and helped to develop the younger players around him. I think we even haven't seen even the beginning of how good RG can be. We've got another season of him at least. Um, I think he's a guy who, if we can get permission to re-sign this guy, we absolutely should. He looks like a massive character and just the physicality he plays with where, yeah, he's tall, he's athletic, but some of the venom that this guy puts in when he's clearing fellas out of the breakdown, some of the way that he manhandles guys, you wouldn't want to play against this fella. And I'm just delighted he's he's a monster player for the time being and hopefully will be for a good number of years to come. Um, Alex Kendallin came off the bench and had a fucking huge impact. 
it's hard to believe this guy is second year academy he shouldn't be as physically developed as he is he is a fucking monster some of the breakdown cleanouts he was putting in this is not a massive man you know we've, we've got guys there like Gavin Coombs 6'4 you know you've got you know uh, obviously Snayman 6'9 6'10 Klein is 6'8 but Alex Kendallin plays with such brutal physicality and his his work rate at the breakdown like not just work rate but like the fucking like the, the, the spite that he's entering these breakdowns with in the build up to uh, the winning try he had one breakdown entry that was finished off by Roman Salano but he fucking cracked the guy and when you have fellas who can play with that level of intensity and that level of physicality for that long you'll win trophies and like he has been a monster player for two seasons and he's already got a trophy I have a feeling this guy is going to be lifting an awful lot more for Munster uh, in his time and hopefully we'll all be there to see it um, in the backs I thought Conor Murray had a fucking outstanding game again uh, he's been playing really well it perfectly suited him here we were going to box kick a little bit more than normal because I felt that certainly watch, watching it back that we seem to have ID'd a ton of stuff with their wingers and their positioning as they play counter transition and a weakness in their game so we kicked it a little bit box kicked it a little bit more than what we would normally but it was super effective Willemsa uh, Leland Zass and uh, Angelo Davids really struggled uh, they really struggled to, to get a purchase on those uh, short contestables and it just played into our game perfectly and who better what better man than Conor Murray and he was perfectly tailored with Craig Casey who I don't think Conor Murray has the speed of game just to, to set up the try that uh, John Hodda scored all that was built on the pace and width and the passing range and pass quality of Craig Casey who I gave five stars to as well off the bench I thought he was fucking outstanding um, and it was just a perfect one-two punch of two outstanding scrum halves starting and finishing the game and playing exactly within their like is in Craig Casey coming on foot to the floor uh, Conor Murray with his control of the game as well it was the perfect mix of both of them and like you could easily reverse it where you could start with Craig Casey his savage pace and intensity and then finish off with a closer like Murray you could easily reverse them blessed to have two players of that quality um, Shane Daly Calvin Nash and uh, Mike Haley were outstanding um, they looked like an elite back three unit they know their roles they know exactly where they're supposed to be Calvin Nash is a player reborn this season I remember when I first started doing this in and you're listening to this right now um, the guy who will know who I'm talking about um, I went to a dinner with um, Mr. Binman they were doing a sponsorship with Munster they had just signed on to do it I think this was in 2017 2018 it was pre-pandemic anyway and they for some reason wanted me to do commentary of this being Mr. Binman challenge that they had at the stadium now I at the time I hadn't done commentary I'm not, like I did podcasts at that point I, and I wasn't even very good at them I don't think I actually I'm, I'm probably still not but uh, they wanted me to commentate on this as it was happening but anyway I had no money at this point so I managed to scrape together money for the train to come up and I remember going into a dinner with the Mr. Binman people and a couple of you know people from Munster Doug Howlett was there as well and I was like oh my god that's Doug Howlett and I didn't have enough money to pay for whatever dinner thing that was there I only had enough money for soup so there I was there I was eating soup and all these other lads were eating fucking steaks and all this other business and stuff like that 
and uh, we were talking about Munster anyway and I, I mentioned guys who I felt could be really big players for Munster going forward I said Gavin Coombs is a guy to watch out for and uh, this guy said Calvin Nash is a fella to watch out for for me for me and Calvin Nash didn't have an immediate breakout season I think part of what we were doing at Munster under maybe Razzie and then you know Van Cron didn't suit him um, didn't suit what he was evidently extremely good at and under this system he looks absolutely outstanding outstanding he was unbelievably good here um, which again this is not new information to people around Munster who always had this Calvin Nash always had this potential and I found out in the restaurant afterwards when I said to the guy next to me he's like uh, I said to him where, where do we pay he's like pay no I said this is this is this is free and I was just like oh god because I was hungry <laughs> but I only had soup so yeah I'll always remember that day because they said yes, yes the guy said Calvin Nash that's the guy to watch out for and it's always stuck with me um, and Calvin Nash when you look at um, how he's developed this season how effective he's been how dangerous he's looked the tries he scored um, a very complete looking player who seems to have a ton of everything you'd want in a back three player kind of already built into him this is the benefit of having guys kind of breaking through in their mid-twenties as opposed to coming through as kind of, you know, young starlets who have one really good thing they do or maybe two really good things they do but a hole in their game uh, everywhere else. That's not the case with Calvin Nash. Uh, Shane Daly as well has had the season of his life. He has looked outstanding. Um, he is the sort of player I think he always threatened to be as well. He's essentially playing like a third midfielder for us. But yeah, he's outstanding and um, had another massive game here too. Iron Mike Haley is fantastic. One of the most underrated players in Europe. Uh, the pass that he gave in the build-up to Hodnett's try, which was set up directly by Shane Daly, is as good as you'll see. He is out, just outstanding. That's about all you can say about the guy. Outstanding. Midfield, Antoine Frisch, Malachi Fekitoa, really effective, really good. Fekitoa was great. Looked like an all-black looked like the guy that we signed and look it didn't work out for him here I think when it comes to settling in in the area or whatever else but what more could you ask for for a guy who give him permission to leave he goes to Benetton he's there next season they've got a great player um, but his ability and his performance levels in this run of games that's the guy we signed and he's looked Again, just like a game winner. Physically in defence, he absolutely just battered Dion Fury in this game and left him ineffective after the game, after that shot. Totally legal, by the way. Tell me, like, like you think the game's gone soft? Take that shot from Malachi Fekitoa. I guarantee you, you'll change your mind. Um, great performance from him. Antoine Frisch threw an intercept pass. Uh, he'll never get credited for the assist on that, but he had another really good game as it developed. He was again well balanced he made good shots in defence good breaks he passed the ball really well for the most part um, and then just again looked like a really balanced quality player who can do it all um, he's a really key creative player for us and I'm looking forward to seeing how he dovetails with Nankivell and with Sean O'Brien uh, mark 5 next year that's going to be really really, in really interesting uh, to see how he settles in and how we continue to use him um, I thought that 
Ben Healy played really well off the bench as well and Keith Earls just looked again timeless uh, one tackle he's listed for but it was one of the most important ta- more important tackles he'll ever make uh, gave him four stars he just but for me wasn't on long enough um, he's only on for 10 minutes typically I don't rate guys if they're on for you know less than 15 so yeah he was good and delighted to see him lifting the trophy as well that was really meaningful as well to see himself and Omani lift it because they've been through so much as monster players as well and, and Craig Casey or um, Keith Earl's story really resonates with me um, what he went through with his you know with his bipolar and, and with, with stuff like that um, so to see him get to lift that trophy and you know seeing him at the end with his um, you know on the at the homecoming with his girls was just really really great to see and you know you'd like to see good guys like him winning that to me is, is, is really really good I can't finish off though without mentioning Jack Crowley who if I could have given six stars in this game I would have I'm not going to break the, the Meltzer scale so um, as of yet anyway um, he was just really really good um, all throughout the game he was brave and looked to try and play and wanted to beat these guys up with the ball in hand he is developing at a really rapid pace and like you don't just do this overnight like a great 10 doesn't just show up out of the under 20s and then just like well here I am um, put me in the World Cup squad no it doesn't work that way you've got to build your moments and what we've seen from Jack Crowley over the last couple of years is season after season he's getting bigger and bigger with regards to his understanding of the game and his ability to execute what his body can do like he's a really good athlete and we saw here his, his explosivity we saw it in the Leinster game as well his power his athleticism his like his pace his agility that's all part of his game but it's his understanding of the game as well where he doesn't necessarily have to just rely on being able to beat guys in the outside he sees space and his pass action is really really good where he's able to roll passes and like fling them like right past defenders and back his pass quality to make that happen um he's got great disguise in his game as well but the biggest part of his game is that he's got fucking massive stones on him and a 10 has to have that like he wanted that drop goal against leinster the moment came he was able for it um in this game we were losing 7-0 to start off intercept try look it fucking happens we win a penalty where does he kick it is he thinking I'm going to be safe here I'm going to go maybe the edge of the 22 maybe pull it back a little bit further he's like we're going down the line we're getting into the 5 metre tram and that's that and that's exactly what he did just banged it right in there absolutely outstanding kick early in the game too so that's one of those ones where he's not even like he's not even going I'm going to build myself into the game he's just like it's happening bang there you go and that kind of sums up the player when you see him like going for it when we got that turnover um after the the the, after the block he is consistently pushing for it and going for it himself and Ben Healy driving each other on creatively and then the biggest moment for me at the end which is we were up by three points when John Hodden had scored that try the conversion was difficult it was right out at the edge if you said to the Stormers can you win a penalty that you will then kick to tie the game up and take it to extra time that's doable but if Jack Crowley makes the conversion they'll have they'll be five points down the penalty isn't good enough they'll have to score a try which again would be very very difficult because 
they had nothing in this game that we didn't give them so we were saying at the end look we'll stay out of the rucks give them nothing just tackle don't bother going at the breakdown tackle 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 make them make a mistake we'll run out the clock that way after we take the ball back which is what we did now Jack Crowley didn't obviously get that memo but none of that happens if he can't make the conversion it's a difficult kick the underfoot conditions are shit like rubbish can he make that kick under the biggest pressure he'd ever be in his life he's standing over the ball and you can see the smile on his face that to me is a guy who has visualised himself in these positions his entire life when he's been having a rugby ball in his hand I want that pressure I want to be that guy because I am that guy so when I saw that guy lining up and taking the kick I again at that point in my head it was like we're winning this so I knew he was going to make it because he has that belief and in doing so he picked himself up another moment where he was able to win that moment and add it to his resume as a fly half you I think you carry the fucking the collected skulls of those moments around you as a player you look at Johnny Sexton how many big moments he has as a player that he carries with him that builds your aura as a player Ronan O'Gara was fucking carrying those skulls behind him in a wheelbarrow because he had so many big moments that he stepped up and delivered every time you have an opportunity to step up as a fly half and you don't deliver or you don't even step up to deliver you shrink a bit you shrink you get a little bit smaller your team's belief in you gets a little bit weaker what Jack Crowley did here was the opposite which is he saw the big moments and he had big moments come his way he took them repeatedly backed himself over and over again and most of them came off which means that at the end of this game all of those players when they're looking at when they're asked who's the 10 here they will turn around and they will look at Jack Crowley because he performed for them he delivered for them when the pressure was highest and made it easier for them to win the game which is all you want your 10 to do and like he stepped up won the game for us when it counted off the tee invaluable that sort of mentality that sort of bollocks that's what you want from uh, your 10 and for me Jack Crowley is the guy so thank you very much for listening to this podcast thank you very much for being a TRK subscriber um, I'll be back with lots of content this week on this game on the anatomy of the season um, I've got a lot of content coming up in June too about the rugby championship as we build to the World Cup I'll have more content coming on that during the week as well um, but for now forget about the World Cup forget about next week just think about today think about how you felt when that whistle went and the joy you felt because that's what this is all about this is why we're here it's those moments of joy and let yourself float on air for a while let yourself think about the people who you wished were with you or appreciate the people who are and who got to experience that moment with you and just let the buzz and the vibes just let them last and then realize that it's one more in the win column one more in the highlight reel and it's one more for the bad guys.